never know what's going to pop up up here, do you? I just, it's, uh, every week it's a different thing. But anyway, it's good to see all of you. If you're a guest today, we're glad that you're here. How many of you are happy to be in God's house today? Yeah, isn't it good to be able to just come in and just kind of let it go and just kind of get off of the, I call it the hamster wheel, but just get off the, the track and sometimes just, just put our hearts and our minds upon the Lord. We're so glad that you're here. I hope you've been encouraged already in the time of worship. And uh, before we begin today, though, I want to pray. Will you join me as we pray as we start our service? Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the gift of music and the things that we can do uh, to worship you, Lord. And so today I pray that you give me the gift of preaching. Not for my glory, Lord, but for yours. And I pray, God, that as we are in this place, we draw closer to you. And when we leave this place today, Lord, may we say it's been good to be in your house. And God, I just pray that you are glorified in all that we do. And everybody together said, amen. So when I was a kid growing up, there was a, a movie, a, show, a TV show that came out. And it was called Batman. And it was the real Batman. When they would hit like in zoom, pow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, th and there was a character in this, in this movie that uh, there was a bad guy, and his name was the Riddler. And he would say, riddle me this, you know, and then they would play. So I want to do a little bit of this today with you as we start. I'm not the Riddler, but I want to I ask you this. I want you to listen to these statements, and I want you to think about who or what is this. Who am I? I'm your constant companion. I'm your greatest helper or your heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down in failure. Who am I? I'm completely at your command. Half the things you do, you might just as well turn over to me. I will be able to do them quickly and correctly. I'm easily managed. You must merely be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done. After a few lessons, I will do it automatically. Who am I? I'm a servant of all great men and alas, of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. Those who aren't, I've made failures. I am not a machine, though I work with all precision of a machine, plus the intelligence of a man. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Who am I? Take me, train me, be firm with me, and I will put the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? I am a habit. That's according to the Ten Natural Laws of Success by Hiram Smith. Habits can make us or break us. Would you agree with that this morning? And habits are things that we do. Uh, I think it was Rick Warren that talked about habits with the 40 days of purpose. It's something that we develop. You show me something, you show me a really strong, highly effective person, and I'll show you a person that has habits. They have things in their lives, especially Christians. Show me a strong Christian, and I'll show you someone who is a person, person of worship. And it's a habit for them. Habits can be good or they can be bad. One habit that is good is the habit of worship. You're here today. You ever notice how you get in the habit of coming on Sunday morning? You ever notice that? And what happens on Sunday morning when you don't come? Does it feel like Sunday morning? Does it feel like Sunday? I don't know about you, but the whole day is upside down for me. I've, I've done this so long. But it's a good habit. It's a hallowed habit, if you will. And we should do it because it's good for us. God made birds to fly, and he made man to worship. Worship is very important to our lives, and it's a healthy habit to get into. I remember there was a season in my life, well, when I was younger, I remember getting up on a Sunday morning going, you know, I think I'll just roll back over. And that's when I attended Bed Springs Baptist, I've told you about that, where I just stayed there. And you do it the first time, you know, you kind of feel guilty, then the second time it's like, well, it's not so bad, you know, I don't, you know, and then the next thing you know, it's the third, and then the next thing you know, it's a month, right? Right? 
Am I, can I get a witness? It's easy to do, but worship is important for us as God's people and as Christ followers. And if it's done with honesty and sincerity, worship is a good habit. It's a hallowed habit. You know, it's interesting when we talk about worship that the last positive statement in the New Testament that was given in the Bible, the last positive thing is in Revelation 22, verse 9, and it says, worship God. Basically, is what it's saying. Worship God. God created man to worship. He has made you and I to worship him. And I believe that worship is often misunderstood. We come to this place to worship this morning. Have you ever wondered how many people actually come to church to worship? I can tell you this. When I was raising kids, I have two daughters and they're grown. And I got four grandkids now. But when I was raising kids, there were times when by the time we got to church, we needed to worship. But I can tell you there were times when I was raising those kids and I was swinging in the back seat trying to get them to stop whatever they were doing. I couldn't even, I, I got to church and I was like, why am I here? What did I even come here for? I can't remember. What was the, right? And sometimes we can get distracted. You ever notice how the devil likes to just distract you? Sometimes on Sunday mornings it seems like things will happen and it's just like anything it can do to set me off or set you off maybe and distract us. That's because worship is so important. It's a part of who we are, and God wants to be in our lives, and he wants us to connect with him. I come to church, and many times I, I've gone through the motions. Me personally, I may not be talking to you today, but I'm talking to me. Coming to church, and it's like, yeah, okay, you know, I got this on my mind. I got, you know, I got that meeting tomorrow morning, or maybe even this after. I got to, you know, stop. We come to this place to set our minds and our hearts upon him and to worship A.W. Tozer once said that worship is the missing jewel in the evangelical church. We're not here to be entertained, are we? We're here to worship. Our purpose and our obligation as a disciple of Jesus is to worship, and the first obligation of the church is to worship. I want us to look at a passage today where it's the only place in the entire Bible, it's the only place in the entire Bible where we're told that God is looking for something or looking for anything. For, here's what... God is looking for something. It's the only place in the Bible, it must be pretty important if he mentions this. The only place in the entire Bible where God is looking for anything is from his children is in John chapter 4. And it's a story that we're all familiar with. It's a story about a woman at a well. A woman at a well. And I believe that in this story we find some amazing truth that Jesus taught about worship. And I believe they speak to us today. Worship. What is worship? Worship is what God is looking for from his children. But let's read this passage of scripture. I'm going to read this story, okay? We're going we're to check this out. Bring it up for me, William. Here we go. You got your Bibles? It's John chapter 4, verses 1 through 25. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them. His disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Pay attention to that. He had to go through Samaria on the way. He, eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. The Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritan. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, 
you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a, a rope or a bucket, she said, and, and this well is very deep. It's over 100 feet, by the way. Where would you get this living water, she said to him. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Watch this. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. And it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, living, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman cried, please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She's not getting it, is she? Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Watch this. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You, are certainly, you certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, while we Samaritans claim it to be here at Mount Gerizim, where your ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Did you catch that? You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while the Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, watch this, and it's here now, when true worshipers will worship God the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is a spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain to us everything. What a story. 25 verses. I don't normally read that much, but I thought you needed to get the backdrop of this. So here's the deal. Jesus is in one area of the country going to the other area, and in order to get there, he has to go through this section. And in this section of the country is where there's this communication thing where people don't connect. Jesus goes right in the middle of it, breaks cultural relationships, breaks the norm. Is that unusual for Jesus? No. And he sits down at this well, and this lady comes along, and here we go. He asks her for a drink. Now, she's a woman. And in our time, that's not as uh, resonating with us, but in that time, you didn't do this. this was, you didn't speak to especially a Samaritan woman. They were from different walks of life, and so he breaks that right there. And she's surprised. And she says, you must be a prophet. And she says, why do the Jews say Jerusalem and Samaritans, Mount Gerizim, when it talks about worship? They were hung up on a location when it came to worship. Man, I'm glad we don't do that today. I'm glad that we don't think that this is the only place that we have to come to worship. Aren't you? Somebody say hallelujah. We do, don't we, sometimes? Jesus told her it's not about a location. He's telling her that the time will come. See, this woman was broken by shame. Did you catch that? He, she was broken by shame. She was bound by religion. She had this mindset, and Jesus is tearing all that down. And you know what? Today, if you're sitting here and you're feeling shameful, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to break that down in your life. <laughs> That's what he came for, to give us hope. She was broken by shame, bound by religion, and deceived by Satan. You see, when we recognize who Jesus is and we experience him and we, we recognize what Jesus wants to do for us, we can't help but worship. We can't help but worship. Warren Wiersbe said that worship is what the believer's response is of all his mind, his emotions, his will, his body, to all that God is. 
I heard it said one time that worship is our response to God's revelation. When God reveals himself. Now, now, sometimes when you say that, people think, well, he's getting all mystical. What does that mean? But how many times have you just stood, especially this time of the year, and, you, and you, I was at a place the other day, and I walked in, and I'm not even a flower person. Some of you already know that, right? But I walked in, and there was this flower, and it was blooming. Are you proud of me, Sharon? And I looked at that flower, and I said, look at that. You could see the hand of God. That was a moment of worship for me. It was like, look what he did. We respond to, to God's revelation. Uh, I have a friend in this, in this place who travels around the world, and he sends me pictures from time to time. And I look at those pictures, and I go, wow, God revealing himself. Have you ever experienced that? Raise your hand if you've ever experienced something, and it just overwhelmed you. When you looked at it, it was like, wow. You see, worship is not a matter of where you are. It's a matter of who you know. Huh? It's a matter of who you know. And that's what he's trying to get across to this woman. And these principles are universal because what Jesus was looking for and what God is looking for from you and from me is worship. That's what he wants. So he tells this lady some principles. And one of the principles that he tells her, and this is a principle that I think you and I can, can learn from, is that to be flexible in where you worship. Be flexible. What does that mean? Worship is not just a localized place. Some of you know your friends with me on Facebook. About four weeks ago, I went home, back down home in Bowling Green, Kentucky, in between Bowling Green and Scottsville, Kentucky, and, and I went to this little church, Beach Grove. And the church has been there for years, and it was a church I went to when I was a kid, and I walked in the building, and it was like, wow. You know, the, the paneling and the, the beautiful little sanctuary, and I looked up, and there was Jesus on the, on, the, on the wall. He hadn't moved. He was still there from when I was 1960, you know what I mean? It was awesome, and it was like, this is, how, this is holy ground. You know what I'm talking about? Just because I'd seen people get out on their knees and pray there. I'd seen people come to the Lord there, and I was like, wow. You know, when I was a kid, I thought that's where he lived, and he did live there, but he actually lived in the people of that church. And hopefully you feel that way about this place when you come in here. It's like, you know, memories and things that we have together. But listen, we should be flexible with our worship and know that it's not just a localized place. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, God has a people for his temple. And you're part of that today. You're part of that today. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? We are the church. We are the body of Christ. If you're a believer, you're part of that. 2 Corinthians 6 says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of God. We are to be separated. She thought it, it was specific to a place this lady did. As Jesus sat there and was talking to her, he was talking about one thing. She was talking about another. She's going Mount Gerizim and, and over here in Jerusalem. He's going, listen, you can worship the Lord anywhere in spirit and in truth. The time has come. Worship is our response to God revealing himself. What is worship? <laughs> You guys know I spent many years in the music thing, and I, so many times I, 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 you know, people would say, I would say something about worship, and they go, oh, yeah, I love praise music. Really? Because for some people, that's what it is. And you know what? Praise music is worship. But you know there's another word called hymn. You know what the word hymn defined is? Praise song. Yeah, we had praise song books in that little church back there where Jesus that I was telling you about in the 60s. 
And see, what I believe is so many times we get locked in, and it goes on both sides of the street, folks. It goes to those of us who prefer this and those of us who prefer that. The fact is they both are, and if we're worshiping God, it's worship. Somebody say amen. That's truth. The truth is that we all worship, and all of these things are worship. Others say that worship is is going to church and, and just being still and closing our eyes. Yeah, and that can be worship. Some say it's just going to church. The truth is that all of these things can be and are worship. It's not just locked into one thing. Because when you give all that you are to all that God is, it's worship. And Sunday is a beautiful day. I love coming here. I'm pretty weathered by the time I get here. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but it's good to come in this place and, and to see you. I try to go around and talk to everybody because I get a kick out of you guys. You kind of encourage me most of the time. But have you considered this, that being the temple of God, that if we are the temple of God, did you consider this? When you pulled in the parking lot this morning, did you consider this, that when you grabbed that door handle, and you pulled that lever on that door, however you got out, you threw your leg off of that motorcycle or whatever it was, however you got here today, did you realize that worship was on? You walk through the door and somebody says, hey, how you doing? That's worship. Because God is revealing himself through other people. You're revealing God to them through other people. Did you ever think about it like that? Mike Dickey comes through that door. He's like, hey, Ken, what's going on, man? I'm like, worship is on. You know what I'm saying? And the minister of the door over there, Gary and Herb, and all these guys that work the doors, different places and the things. And from the time your feet hit the pavement, worship is on because it's about him, not about us. Hopefully you were greeted in that manner today. We work hard at that around here. All of those things are not just acts of worship, but they are worship. In fact, everything we do here on Sunday, everything we do here on Sunday, we pray over this. And we, we ask God to give it to us as worship. Show us, Lord. Prayer is worship. We did that, didn't we? We prayed to God, and it's our, our response to God. God, I, I call upon you, Lord. And it's not just like we're calling on Santa Claus to, to, to bring us gifts. We're calling on because we need him. Encourage us, Lord. Prayer. And then we sang. And you guys know I love music. I love all kinds of gospel music. I love it all. I do, I, and I even like going where it's just quiet, and I hear music quietly sometimes. You know, it can, it can be moving like that. Do you know there's over 60 verses in the Bible that reference music? And they sang in the upper room the night before when they took the Lord's Supper. In our worship services, all of these things that we do are aspects of worship. I pray to God that when you come in here, and I literally pray to the Lord that you don't just go through the motions, that everything we do resonates in your heart as an act of worship. There are times in our services when we be still, when we're going to be still. Like at the end, we get still. Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. And I got to tell you, boys, I struggle with that one. Because it's hard to be still, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard, especially when you need it now. I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. Let me have it. And God says for us to be still. We do that in worship. We listen to the word as we proclaim, and that's what they did in the Bible. That was part of worship. Go and preach the gospel was the last thing that he said. We give our offerings. Oh, boy, here he goes. We start talking about money. It's in the Bible. Giving is part of worship. I love it when somebody said to me one day, said, I got to pay my tithe this week. 
I'm going, we don't pay our tithes, we give our tithes. Amen? And you know, tithing, the word tithe, do you know what the origin of that word is? It, it means a tenth. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 14, gave a tenth of everything in response to God's blessing that he had received. A tenth. Genesis 28, Jacob gave an offering because God had blessed him and he was giving back. That's the principle of tithing. Leviticus 27 says it was introduced here to give the right off the top, giving back to God what was already his. And also recognizing God's provisions. Now I want to tell you something when it comes to tithing and money. Here's the deal. It's all God's anyway. I've had some of you come to me and said, you know, Kent, I started tithing. I started giving God what, what was his. I started giving it to him off the top. Man, I didn't want to do that at first, but I started doing it. You can't believe how I'm being blessed. I said, oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, because, you know, two and two is four, but it don't add up. But God does it anyway, doesn't he? So many people I've heard testify about when they give to the Lord, he gives it back. And that is an act of worship. Burlington Baptist has always been a church that gives. And I'm grateful for that. Not only do we give out of our pockets, but we also give as a church. We're part of a bigger thing, the Southern Baptists, and we give to the, pro the corporate program, and, and we give, it goes to foreign missions, and it goes all over the world. When you put money in these offering plates, it's going everywhere. It's not just here. I think it was Rick Warren, I believe, when him and his wife started in ministry, they started giving it so much, and each year they'd give him. Uh, and I heard the uh, last time I he was given 95% at this point of his income. But... <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? God had blessed him and overwhelmed him. So many stories. Offerings, giving our tithes. And then before this is over, one of the other aspects of our worship is communion. Perhaps you, you didn't realize this. We have it on each side. You realize that. But did you realize that what we did out there as you came in was we were communing together? And it's fellowship as well. And I don't know about you. How many in here has ever been encouraged by fellowship? By somebody walking up to you and saying, you know what, I am so glad to see you today. Or you made my day. You just told me something, you made my day. All of these things that I mentioned to you are parts of worship. And next Sunday morning, I want you to remember, when you pull in this parking lot, if you can, it's a long way off, but make a note, stick it on the dashboard. When I pull that door handle, I'm getting ready to go to worship in this place. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's what this lady that Jesus was talking to was telling her, be flexible. All of these things that we do are part of our worship. Archbishop William Temple said, Worship is the submission of our nature to God. It's the quickening of the conscience of the holiness of God and the nourishment of the mind to the truth. The purifying of the imagination by the beauty of God. The opening of the heart to the love of God. And the submission of the will to the purpose of God. Worship isn't where you are, it's a matter of who you know. And when we come to church, we should come to church not just to worship, but we should come with worship. Amen. We should come with worship. I want to stress that as Christians, you're called not only to be Christian, but you and I are called to be a part of the body of Christ. I love it when I hear somebody comes to me and they go, you know, I went over there in such and such church, I didn't get nothing out of it. I, you know, my first response is, what'd you put into it? What'd you put in it, really? You see, because worship, we get sometimes we get it confused and think it's all consumerism. It's really, it's about Him. We come and give Him praise. The second thing is we need to focus on worship. It's not a, it is a centralized in a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus said in verse 23, what we just read, The time is coming, indeed, is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
He doesn't say many fathers. He doesn't say a couple of fathers. He says the father. Did you notice? The father. So if it means true worship, that means there must be some false worship that can happen. How special. Who is the true worshiper? One who worships the right God. He mentions the father. Whose father? And I believe that he's speaking of Jesus. I think he's talking about Jesus. Verse 22, he said, you worship, you know not what. Religion in this setting had become a lot of rules and regulations and fulfilling of obligations and on and on and on. And to worship the Father was to know the Father in a personal relationship. I'm glad that religion and a bunch of obligations and rules today, aren't you? To know the Father, we must know his Son and be one of his children. Be one of his children, we must be in a relationship with his son, Jesus. Verse 12 of John chapter 12 says this, But as many as received him, many as received him to him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. So many times we come into worship and we're more focused on the wrong things. Some of the ways we do that is, like I said, we come in and say, what can I get out of this? Well, they don't play the kind of music I like, or they do play this, and they don't, they, what kind of clothes are they wearing? What, what does the building fit what I like? And, you know, I had somebody ask me one day, so what kind of clothes should I wear? I said, I don't care what you wear, just wear them, okay, when you come to our church. It's important that you come to church. Amen? And be a part of the body of Christ. My prayer is that we all come in this place, and we look forward to this, this time of worship, when we recognize that God loved us so much. It moves our hearts. And that God loved you and I so much that Jesus died on the cross. True worship is a matter of focus, and it's focusing on him, not to be distracted with these other things. The last thing is to be faithful in the way that you worship. Worship is actualized in passion. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. True worship goes beyond the physical. It takes place in a person's spirit. We can come to church and just show up without worshiping, can't we? And I've done that myself. In fact, some people believe that if they come to the right place, go through the motions at the right time, they've worshipped. We have aspects of worship that we mention. We use our voices to sing, and our ears to hear, and our eyes to see. We clap our hands sometimes. You know the Bible talks about clapping your hands? Clapping your hands for joy. I'm going to talk more about that next week. But worship can be expressed in a lot of different ways, but the essence of worship is that it's spirit and in truth, God's spirit connecting with our spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to each of us. You know, the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. I remember as a kid, sometimes the Baptist, you know, people would raise their hand in the Baptist church and they'd say, well, you know who it is. He's, he's, he's one, of them, one of them. Hey, man, if you feel led to raise your hand, raise your hand. If you feel led to say amen, say amen. God's speaking to you. Just like that guy in that video. We've got no problem doing it at a ball game, do we? No. We ain't worried about what Joe over here is going to say when I raise my hand in a ball game. Guys dance around, act like crazy people, but we don't worry about that. And the scripture goes on to tell us filling of the spirit leads to doing the following. It leads us to, to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, the Bible says there's three temperatures to the heart. In Matthew, uh, Matthew 24, 12, it says the love of many will grow cold. Revelation says in, ch in verse three, uh, chapter 3 that it can be lukewarm. And then in Luke 24, it says the heart can be burning. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us and walked with us in the opening scripture? The heart is our thermostat for the Christian life. And worship in the church can set us on fire. Does that mean everybody's going to express it the same way? Don't misunderstand me. No, we don't all express it the same way. But we express it some way in our lives. 
look around. Look at the way we dress. Look at the way we, the cars we drive. We're all different, but God uses each of us. Uniquely uses each of us. And when we worship, people are moved and drawn closer to Jesus. I heard a story about a preacher who went on vacation, and, and he visited this church one Sunday morning. I don't know what you guys know if you ever do this. It's, kind of, it's fun sometimes. You know, like when I'm out on the Harley taking a trip, I always try to look for a, a, a church when I ride by a church and see if they got a motorcycle in the parking lot, and, and I usually pull in that one, you know. And you go in there, and it's fun to see how people worship in different places, you know. But this guy, this preacher went to this church. He said the people were cold, though. The, the preacher was dry. The service was boring, and to cap it off, nobody spoke to him. He said he left that church, went down the street to a restaurant, and to have some lunch, he said the building was bright, the people were happy, the waiters were friendly, the food was good, the service was excellent, and they thanked him for coming to the restaurant. He said neither place gave an invitation to join that day, but if they had, he'd have joined the restaurant. I'm always amazed at church. If any place, this should be friendly. If any place, this should be welcoming. It should be at the church. And that's what we are to do. We're to welcome one another, and we do a good job of that. But I just want to remind you, we're going into another sermon series that's coming up, and worship is the preparation for that. And I want us to get our hearts and our minds as a church together redoing this, what God's moving in our church. And I want us to be prepared as we go forward for what God's got for us. Um, and I want us to be alive. I want us to be a church that's on fire. And it, that, that can come in many different ways, you know. And I think it's important that we recognize that. So I would ask you and myself, how am I worshiping the Lord today? Do I truly come in this place with intention? You see, every worship service, we should worship in spirit and in truth. Every worship service should have a scriptural basis. It should be based on this. Not my opinion, but on this and what the book says. Here's the thing. Every worship service should revolve around the truth and the word of Jesus. The core of any church is not the music. Music styles come and go. The core of the church is about the Lord. Which brings me to the end of this. God's looking for you and he's looking for me to come and worship him. Maybe you're here today and, 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 and you just, you know what, I, this is kind of resonating with me. You're thinking in your heart, maybe it's a time just to say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I recognize what you've done in my life. And maybe some of these areas in, that he's mentioned in worship, I need to maybe be more focused on that. Maybe just kind of quicken those spirits. We should come here and worship him in everything that we do. Worship is not limited to the location. I want to encourage you, don't just go to church. Say it with me, go be the church. You're going to hear that a lot of that in the next couple months. Worship is not limited to just a location. We should worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for this story about this woman who trusted you. This woman who, who believed in you and you changed her life, as the scripture goes on to say, she went home to her town and many believed because she had an experience with Jesus. And I pray, God, that in Boone County and around the world that many will come to know you because of Burlington Baptist Church's beliefs in you. Fathers, we enter at this time of reflection. It's a time of worship. Help us to treat it that way. May you have your way. May you speak to hearts, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name.